and the prophet would give us some little insights into that love. He'd say, the angels won't know what we're singing about. But God just wrote something in our lives that we can all say just amazing grace. Do you love him tonight? Amen. Let's just turn in our Bibles to the book of John, chapter 8. Thank you for the specials. My heart skipped a beat there when Sister Wendy said I was going to sing. I said, no, no, no. <laughs> well, probably everybody else's did too, but... <laughs> Amen. It's always special to gather together for the Lord's Supper. We're missing Brother Harold tonight. He doesn't miss this very often. Brother Harold, we're thinking about you. We prayed thinking of you back there. John chapter 8, let's just read from verse 1. Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that thou should, that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? And this they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. So they weren't just interested in the condemnation of this woman, but they were interested in coming against the Lord. But Jesus stooped down, and with his finger he wrote on the ground, as though he heard them not, but he heard every accusation. And when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote in the ground, And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. And when Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man, hath no man condemned thee? And she said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Amen. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we're here tonight and we're humbled by you and by all that you are. And Lord, we're asking you that your grace would be upon us tonight.
on every one of us, Lord. And we're praying, Father, that you'd give us the context of who you are, what you intend us to be. Lord, how you would want us to live for you. I pray your blessing would be upon our brother Harold, who's not here tonight. I pray your blessing would be on those that are not in our midst. I pray, O oh Lord, that your eyes, your hand of mercy would extend far beyond these walls. And I pray that within these walls, Lord, that you'd come and minister to us. Father, we commit ourselves to you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. May have your seats. Originally, I, I had a number of scriptures that I wanted to take in the Old Testament and just setting the scene for this drama and narrative, but I'm just going to summarize it and really just focus on this. But it was in the midst of a holy nation, a nation that was righteous, full of traditions, full of customs and laws, established by the law of Moses, given to him by God on the mountain, and that was the Ten Commandments. But beyond that, it was also in the Exodus and the Leviticus and all the books that Moses wrote. There was laws about dress, about garments, about how to conduct yourself, about marriage, about how to reap the fields, how to act in battle, how to conduct yourself with your neighbor. There was all kinds of laws, and then there was the laws surrounding the religious um, tabernacle, the priests, and, and how the conduct of, of the service would be. Eventually, that became over time where the temple was, and the temple had laws regarding things, and there was priests, there were scribes, there was rulers, and over time, that evolved into maybe a hierarchy system, a class system. It evolved into other rules that, that were never really part of the law in the first place. And, and there was hundreds of little regulations and such. And, and it was to this that a man named John came. And John came out of the wilderness and John would, would come and speak to them. And, and, and because he was a crude man, he didn't say the politically correct things in the service. And he was baptizing, and, you know, he saw the Pharisees and Sadducees comes, and he called them, oh, generation of vipers, who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come? And you say that we have Abraham, our father, but I say, God's able to raise stones unto Abraham. And, you know, he would speak to them quite forcefully, and, and then it was Jesus who came, and the Bible would say about Jesus in John chapter 1, it said that, of his fullness have we all received, and grace for grace. But the law was given by Moses, but John writes, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And so Jesus would go on, and he'd have the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes, and, and then after a while he would talk, and he would say, don't think I'm come to destroy the law or the prophets, I'm not come to destroy, but to fulfill the law. And he said, you know, heaven and earth won't pass except for every tittle, everything be fulfilled. And, and he says, and he began to teach them how to do things. And he makes an amazing statement. He says, except your righteousness should exceed the righteousness of the scribes 
and the Pharisees, you shall in no wise enter the kingdom of heaven. And their righteousness was a very legalistic standpoint. It was a standpoint of, of this is the rules, this is the laws, you've got to follow them. And, and, and you know, it, it was not what the law was meant to be, really. But that's the way they held it. And neither is this message meant to be rules and laws and you've got to conduct yourself this way or that way. You know, we had a couple of men come through here some time back traveling the country and going to every church and pointing out all the wrongs and pointing out this isn't right and that isn't right and a very legalistic viewpoint. But I'll tell you what, does that actually win anybody to Christ? How would you like to carry that air about you and wherever you go? But that, that can be how the message is presented. But Jesus didn't want to present it that way. And, you know, he would begin to talk and, and, and eventually he would have to begin to talk and direct his conversation about how men love to pray in public. And he says, don't be like that. They, they've got their reward, but you just enter into secret and do these things. And, you know, he would begin to talk to them and bring different things to them and and he would, would, would talk, and, and then he would even bring forth and tell them, you know, of different things in the Bible that, that were, were very real and began to share. And I, again, I don't want to go into that. And, and he was identifying the spirit of what was around them. So it was another day, like, like any other day, and it, now as we kind of zero in on our reading, it was early in the morning that Jesus had gone to the temple, the Bible says. But while he was going to the temple, let's just play back, it was a few hours later, or earlier rather, maybe in the nighttime, maybe in the darkness when, when things are done in secret. And a woman had come and met a man, and maybe they were together. And it was in that nighttime, that dark time, but they were discovered. And they were brought to the Pharisees, and oh, the Pharisees, they, they you know, they, they, they thought, this is it. This is an opportunity. And, and they, they thought, you know, this, this woman, she's been there, and she's been caught in the very act. The law is very clear. You know, they, there's, this is damnation. This, 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 oh man, this a close cut, it, this case is closed, you know, it's caught in the very act. And, you know, the Bible says some man's sins are known beforehand. Some are known after. Those very acts are sometimes done in secret. Nobody knows about it. But some are exposed beforehand. And sometimes the hidden secret, you know, it, it, we, we, we want to hide it. But really, God's not there to embarrass anybody. But he just wants you to be honest with him. And, and, and to be honest about where you're at and... So these, these, uh, this woman comes to him and she was under great condemnation. The minute she was caught, you know, she knew what she had done in secret was now going to be exposed publicly. Her family would know, her neighbors would know, everybody would know, and the law was very clear. She was going to die. And not only die, but die by stoning and it was going to be a public thing. And, you know, here's these, these men, these, these, you know, there was no escaping this for her. You know, this is it. This is, she saw those, those, those 
she was, they were caught and they were brought before the Pharisees and she saw these angry eyes. Ha <laughs> ha, we caught you. And you know, there's this morbid fascination with the flesh to expose somebody else's sins. I mean, to say, you, you, you might catch it, you might know it, but I'll tell you what, that doesn't make any one of us one more righteous than the next one. In fact, there's a duty on us on how we act it. Brother Manum would talk about a young man that had, is at the tabernacle at that time and, 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 and they had said, oh, he's a rascal, leave him alone. You know, maybe some of the elders of the church and Brother Manum says, no. He says, I'll go out him. And he says later, I caught him and I brought him back. And he says, and he's serving God now. So this woman, you know, the, the glory of God is not to, to reveal sin. But the glory of God is to stop sin. The glory of God is to cover sin. The glory of God is to remit sin. The glory of God is to cleanse us from all sin. That ought to be the glory we're interested in. We're not interested in pointing out where this one did wrong and times and dates and events. and Yeah, I'll remember that all the time. No, the glory of God is greater than that. What this woman did, did was wrong. And she was caught, and now she was in the hands of religious zealots. It was a shame. It was a death sentence. You know, in the Bible, under the law at Mount Horeb, it was dark clouds. It was lightning. It was the law. It was a legalistic case. It was, it was clear cut. I don't believe the Christian faith should ever just be on a legalistic Old Testament law. But it's actually greater than that. That doesn't mean that we, we, we push, we, you know, we, we cover sin. No, it doesn't mean that at all. But there's an approach to all of this that's greater than just the law. And so this woman here, she was caught, and she knew she was going to be stoned. Now, they, 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 the men that caught, they had their troubles with Jesus. This is the guy that had gotten into the temple overturned the money changers and, 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 and did all kinds of things. I'll tell you what, they, they were looking for an option. And this, they saw their opportunity. Yeah. And, you know, and, and so zealous were they for their opportunity. They, they thought, wow, this is a case. We, you know, we've got them. And, and in their zeal, as they dragged this woman into the temple and they dragged her before Jesus, they forgot something. Where was the man? Where was the man that was a part of this? And actually, if the man were there, it may not have gone as well for her. But they took the woman. And the second mistake they made was they took her to Jesus. That was the problem. They took her to Christ. They brought her to Jesus. And, and as I said, when we share this story, like we said this morning... There's a prodigal son, but there's an elder son. In this story, we identify not with just maybe the woman, maybe you didn't do it, but maybe you were caught. Maybe you were wrong. Maybe there was a time God put his finger on something. You identify with that part, but we also identify what about the times that we took the part that the Pharisees played. So here they are with glee. They're bringing it and they come to him and they describe here in the scripture reading, they said, Moses in the law said such and such, but what do you say? 
And they thought, oh, this is going to be wonderful. <laughs> we, we've, we've got him, you know. She's caught in the very act. What do you say? He doesn't say a word. In fact, he stops. And he made it out as though he didn't hear them. And he starts to kneel down. And he, as he kneels down, he starts writing something in the sand. And they're They're talking. And the scripture says, he made as though he didn't hear them. Yeah. And he's writing in the sand. There's lots been made. What did he write in the sand? Because he actually wrote in the sand, and then he stood up, and then he wrote in the sand again. Maybe he started writing names. Maybe it was the names of some of the people that were there. And he wrote a name, and another name, Maybe he wrote another name. And then he stood up and he declares these words. He that is without sin among you, let him cast the first stone. You, you can do what the law says. But there's a qualification. He that's without sin, let him cast the stone. And then he goes down and he begins, he begins to write something else. And maybe under the name of one of them, he starts to write details of an event. Maybe he actually puts a date in there. And then he writes it for another one. And all around while he's bending there, there's these Pharisees. They've got rocks in their hands. They've got stones in their hands. In fact, they're gripping them tight. In fact, they probably searched these stones out. This one will be good. This one, this, this will make a good kill shot. They were gleefully ready to exercise under a religious spirit the judgment and the wrath of God upon this situation. I've got it. And they're, they're, they're gripping these stones. You know, Mount Horeb was the law. They were still at Mount Horeb. But you know, Mount Horeb is where the thunder, the lightnings, where all these things were. But I, I think there's been a time and a season in the message where we've, we've been ready to anything that comes that's not right or not in order. But there came a time when Israel had to leave Mount Horeb and Moses said, you've dwelt at this mountain long enough. Now you've got to go on in your journey. That doesn't mean you leave justice and judgment, but don't just leave it there. Go a little further. Grow in grace. Grow in love. Grow in mercy. Grow in these things. So they took this, and Jesus is speaking to them, and maybe he's beginning to write down dates and times and events. And as these stones are there, I'm looking at their hands. And in fact, their hands are gripping the stones tightly. In fact, if you'd look up, you could see their veins. And if you'd look, there's almost like a morbid smile on their face. But as he's writing, suddenly the grip is being loosened. Suddenly, they're not holding the stones so tightly anymore. Why? There's, a, there's the almighty God who knows everything and every time and every place. 
knows where we've been, knows what we've said, know what we've done. Maybe he starts writing, you know, not paying tithes. Or maybe he writes, you know, not, not doing such and such or lying. Or maybe even wrote adultery again. And as they're there, the Pharisees, they're looking and they're going, oh, if I stick around, this is going to get embarrassing. You know, I, uh, what am I doing with this rock? I, I've got a, and it says, the scripture says, from the eldest to the last. So the elders sometimes are the ones that even hold the influence or the exercise. Friends, we've gone through a lot of things in the message. We've gone through hard feelings. We've gone through hurts. We've gone through church splits. We've gone through disagreements. We've gone through things. And sometimes we can carry those things on to the next generation. There's children growing up, and they don't even know why we act the way we act sometimes. They don't know why we don't fellowship with so-and-so sometimes. But God looks for an example. He looks for a head of home to say, you know what? We haven't done this right. We're going to change things around here. We're going to make things different. So it's got to start at the top. Sometimes it starts with a minister. Sometimes it starts and says, I'm the one that's wrong. I've got to show a pattern of good works. And as they're sitting there and as Jesus is filling in the blanks, I don't know why I got this stone. You know, I'm going to drop that and go on. And then the next guy looks over. What's he doing? Oh, that's my name there. Oh, uh, hold on a second. Where did he go? I, I, I got to find a way out of here too. And all the while, Jesus is down here. Brother Harold has often said this so good. He's down here writing. He can't see everything, but he's got enough peripheral vision that he can see a bunch of toes and sandals. And he's writing. He's not even looking at their faces. He's writing. And then he notices a, a rock drops. And then he notices that the sandals start to walk away. And he keeps writing. And another one drops. And he keeps writing, and another one drops. And finally he comes to a place. There's no more sandals. There's a bunch of empty rocks here. And he stands up. Now, let's just stop for a moment in this story. We've heard sort of the narrative viewpoint. But let's just talk about this woman for a minute. Until now, she's hanging with her head down. Maybe she was cast to the ground. Maybe she was standing. I don't know. The Bible says when Jesus stood up, she was standing. But as she's there, and this great condemnation and everything that's caught and now she's brought dragging to the temple and, and they're all there and she's hearing, you know, the, all of these things. And, you know, the first thing she saw and, 
uh, when, when they burst in the room, they caught her and brought her. She saw these angry eyes. She saw these zealous eyes. And she thought, oh, they're just, and, and she's going, you know, and she's being brought there. And she's standing here. And, you know, she's maybe thinking, you know, I don't know what he's doing in the sand there. But any moment now, the first rock's going to come. And she's standing there, and there was no way out. She was caught. The law was clear. And as he's writing, she, she also became aware that they were leaving. And maybe at that moment, she became aware for the first time of a presence. Because this was not just a man like any man. This was the purest man there ever was on the face of the earth. This was a man who'd never had an evil thought, who never looked at the, these things this way. This was a man who, who had, had such, a, such a presence about him. And as she's sit there, she begins to think, how did I ever get to this place? Because when you come into the presence of Jesus, the longer you stay the more you become aware of your own state, not somebody else's state. And she began to think, you know, I remember the first time they came to me. I tried to push off those thoughts. You know, I, I, I didn't want to do that. But one day a thought came and, and, and it became, you know, it's just like the original sin in the Garden of Eden. I, I just felt drawn into it. The thought entered my mind, and I found myself in that situation. And now I'm caught. And she's thinking these things. What she didn't know was that the best thing that could have happened to her, that she was caught. The best thing. Because if she wouldn't have been caught... She would have maybe gone on and done it again, and done it again, and done it again, and again, and again. But now she was caught, and she, what was condemnation to the world was actually going to be the best thing that ever happened in her life. And it was going to bring her to the foot of Christ. It was going to bring her to the only place where there was actually a way out. The very thing that was such condemnation to the world. The very thing that's condemnation to our own lives and our own being. When it's brought before Christ, that can be the best thing that ever happened to us. <laughs> now she's, here's the words of Jesus him that is without sin, let him cast the first stone. And she thought, oh, these are righteous men. There's no way I'm going to live. And he's writing again. What's he doing in the sand there? And she's waiting. And again, she feels that presence. You know, she didn't feel that when she was brought into the presence of, of the Pharisees. And she's thinking... You know, I wish I'd never done this. And she sees, and why are they leaving? She's, she can't believe it, and the longer she stayed, maybe tears started to come. Oh, I'm so sorry for what I did. 
just a few hours removed from the event. How could I have done this? God knows how to bring us to where we need to come to. Did you think about this? For Jesus, in order for Jesus, Jesus loves the sinner. He's still in the saving business. That's his business. He's not in the condemning business. He's in the saving business. If you're condemned tonight, come to Jesus. He'll save you. Now think about this. A few hours removed, Jesus knowing this is the only, maybe this is the only way that woman would come out of that to be caught and brought to Jesus. But Jesus, because he had to make a way for her, the first thing he had to do was disqualify the witnesses. He had to ensure that there would be no accusations against her. And so he did the only thing. It had to be love that drew him to do that. Now think about this. Three, four hours, maybe, I don't know what it was, removed. But Jesus loved her no matter what she did. He loved her. He did not want to condemn her. He loved her. He loves us tonight no matter where we are. He wants to save us. He doesn't want to leave us there. She'd never felt this before. Never a man spake like this man. And as she's standing there, she hears these words, women, where are thy accusers? Has no man condemned thee? And now for the first time, she looks up and she sees into his eyes. Oh, these aren't the eyes of the Pharisees. This is different. Has no man condemned thee? No man, Lord. Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Never had she felt this in her life before. Never had she known this saving grace before. Never had she seen compassion like this before. Never had she come into this. You know, maybe, maybe she'd been composed. Maybe she'd been full of fear when she first came there. But as she came, as she began to break down, you know, when God breaks us down, it's not to leave us broken, but it's to build us back up. It's to make us new again. It's make us whole again. That's what he desires. You know, there was a woman that came one time into his presence and just began to wash his feet. She may have been composed to start with, but as she did, she couldn't help but break down. She couldn't help but pitter-patter tears upon him till they became a river, until they became a worship, until they became a recognition. This is exactly where I need to be, at the foot of the cross, in the hands of Jesus. We're closing. I've heard of judgment. I've heard of justice. I didn't deserve this. And when she looked in those eyes, let's have the musicians come. When she looked into those eyes for the first time, she saw something different. Maybe this event would change her life forever. She would look back to this moment 
And if she really met Christ, she said, I'm not going to sin in that path anymore. God, in his mercy and grace, came down to me. I saw love. I saw mercy. And I saw grace. Friends, if you're wrong, if you've done wrong, he's the same Christ today. He's still full of eyes of mercy and grace. He's still full of compassion. Don't run from him. Don't hide from him. Come to him. The very thing that this woman did wrong was the very thing she needed to come to Christ. Sometimes we've been dragged into that temple. Sometimes we've been dragged to the foot of the cross. But it was just so that God could show his love and favor to us. You believe he's the same today? I saw love, mercy.